Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy April and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our April heart-centered and passion-driven inspiration for better living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. April's theme is spring magic, nourishing our heart, mind, body, and spirit. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show this morning, my guest for today is Rebecca Morrison. Rebecca is a mom, wife, and lawyer turned happiness coach. As a high achiever, a Wesley College and Georgetown Law graduate, she worked for two decades as a litigator at a big law firm. Rebecca was securely on track to partnership and had a beautiful baby daughter in a happy marriage, but something was missing. She wasn't that happy and wondered if it was possible to have both success and happiness. Rebecca spent the next several decades untangling and uncovering what would make her happy. She concluded that we are born to be happy. Somewhere along the way, our lives get cluttered. To find our recipe for happiness, we need to know what matters most to us. We need strong beliefs to support taking the necessary next step to do what we want while letting go of the rest. Rebecca believes everyone can live happier, easier lives by reacquainting with their authentic self. Rebecca is now a UC Berkeley Executive Coaching Institute Certified Executive Coach and the author of the best-selling The Happiness Recipe, a powerful guide to living what matters. The book offers a grounded, approachable, and tactical guide to finding joy by sharing the tools necessary to understand what matters most to our happiness. Rebecca gives us the key to believing in and achieving the kind of happiness possible for everyone. Rebecca is also one of our featured expert contributors to our April Inspiration for Better Living magazine. Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story, My Path from Lawyer to Happiness Coach, in our Bubble of Quiet Confidence section. As for our kitchen table conversation this morning, Rebecca and I will be talking about her remarkable life's journey and how we can declutter our life and refine our energy to live happier, lead happier, and build happy businesses using the principles of priority and line living from a best-selling book, The Happiness Recipe. Happy Wednesday, Becky, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning, I'm good, Johnny. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I am excited as well when we talk about happiness. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it's a fun topic. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It is wonderful and a pleasure to have you with me. The Happiness Recipe, a powerful guide to living what matters, is a beautifully written book. It is very insightful and engaging read. 
the information shared is extremely empowering for the heart, mind, body, and spirit. So congratulations on this release. I thank you. I appreciate that. It was a fun project um, to undertake, and I find that as coaches and authors and people who have sh- gifts to share with the world, which is all of us, we <laughs> always learn when we, when, we, when we take that step and share our gifts, right? So yes. it's been really fun. Yes, that's true. Let us start by getting to know you a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. <laughs> well, I was born, and then no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so um, what do you need to know about me to understand who I am today and the work that I do? Um, the first thing I think that I would tell you is that I'm an only child who was raised in a home that at least, you know, for the time that I was born, mm-hmm. which was 1970s, was a little bit non-traditional. My mom happened to be the primary breadwinner. She was a corporate lawyer for most of her career, although she went to law school when I was five, which is yet mm-hmm. another sort of untraditional piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Um, and my dad was a pastor, and we moved a lot. So mm-hmm. um, I learned very quickly um, how to adapt to being in different environments and make connections with people kind of no matter where I was and no matter who I was with, uh, mm-hmm. a skill that I think has served me super well. Um, the other thing you need to know about me is that I came, uh, I should say I was raised and came up in a world that was very achievement oriented, right? It was mm-hmm. about getting the good grades, getting into the good school, getting the degree, getting the good job, having the st- stability. And it's interesting because I think my parents definitely had an awareness, and we can talk more about this, of, of this idea of priority aligned living, and they kind of planted the seed. Mm-hmm. But I didn't hear it until much later in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, I, I don't know that that's like a long enough description, but maybe we can dive in a little bit deeper. Well, that's wonderful. Um, it is it is great. Yeah. And then from there, I did that, right? I checked all the boxes. Mm-hmm. I went to the really phenomenal um, college for undergrad. I graduated. I went, I got a job after, gradu- after graduating, worked for a little bit in um, operations and systems, and then went to law school and landed myself at a big firm where I found myself on partnership track as a litigator. And I had sort of a, a series of moments. Um, one of them, and I can tell this story real quick, I call my bathtub mm-hmm. moment, where I found myself on the floor of the bathroom one evening um, doing two things. I had my toddler daughter in the tub, and I had the cordless phone clipped to the back of my pants because this was pre-cell phones, and <laughs> papers spread all around me, toilet seat cover down, you know, notebook on the toilet seat mm-hmm. cover, and I was bathing my toddler and preparing an expert for their upcoming deposition. And I had two thoughts in very quick succession. The first thought was, like, who says you can't do it all? Like, I'm here, <laughs> I'm with my kid, I'm a present mom, I'm doing well at work, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing good work, important work, or work that I felt was important. Um, yeah. And then the second thought was, and I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that although I'm doing important work and although I'm good at it, that it's really making me happy. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that was the beginning of this inquiry that – you know, 15 years later, led me to write The Happiness Recipe. <laughs> That's beautiful. When we live in the moment, we don't see what's the past and the future, obviously. And the funny thing about it is that we are told to live in the present, but then it's yes. the past and possibly the future that will help us to really plan <laughs> in the moment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You can't, I, yeah. Yep. You hit on an important tension, right? This tension between really being present in the moment and needing mm-hmm. a little bit to know where, where the car is driving, like what direction right. we're pointed in, and a little bit to know about where the cars come from and what it might need to get us where we want to go. Yeah. Right. 
Right, so true. Were there memorable life experiences from your childhood that still contribute to your wholeness today? So I alluded to this, you know, that my parents kind of planted mm-hmm. the seeds mm-hmm. of priority-aligned living. And mm-hmm. there's one moment that stands out in particular, and that was, you know, I explained my mom was the primary breadwinner. She was a corporate yeah. attorney. She was um, super high, high-achieving, super successful, she got selected when I was in middle school, so about like, let's call it 11, 12, mm-hmm. um, to participate in a leadership development program at her company. And as part of that work, she was tasked with identifying her North Star, her priorities and her values, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and then with sharing those with the people who mattered, mattered to her, which for her was me and my dad. And so she came home one evening and called the family meeting and with much trepidation, she, she tells the story anyway, she had to tell us that her career was her top priority. Mm-hmm. And when I tell this story, often people think there's the first reaction is, oh, like, were you hurt? Like, as a kid, hearing that you weren't her top priority, did that hurt you? And yeah. the answer is absolutely not. And yeah. let me explain why. There's two important reasons. One, I knew that I was very loved. It was never a question of how much right. I was loved. Second, She was already living that way. And so for her to be honest and align her words with her actions was super powerful for me at that age because Mm -hmm. it gave me permission to support her. It gave her permission to pursue what was important to her in that season. And -hmm. it really made us all as a family, like, better able to live in alignment with what we each needed, you know? And so, like I said, she kind of planted that seed of, this is an important part of the process of living. And then I went ahead and did all the things that I, we already talked about and checked all the boxes and found myself on the floor of the bathroom that, that, at that moment <laughs> thinking, wow, I need to make, I need to make a change. Yeah. Because what I realized as I inquired, you know, into my own um, priorities is that in mm-hmm. that season of my life, being a mom was the most important thing. Right. That's so beautifully put. I, Yeah, well, and there's one last piece I want to share with you, which is that I decided that, and then I decided to make a job change based on that and come off of partnership track so I could have more control over my schedule. Mm -hmm. And I very distinctly remember the fear that went into calling my parents to tell them I was making this change. I felt like, look, here was my mom who had blazed a career, you know, trail (laughs) before me, and I was going to be letting her down by not making that my top priority. Now hindsight's 2020, but you might not be surprised to learn that when I called her, her response was, that's awesome. You mm-hmm. figured out what matters most to you. Right, right. So, yeah. Right. That's beautiful, though. I'm so glad you shared that because based on the timeline and so forth, your mom was really progressive from a perspective of she grew up in that generations like women matter. We matter in a way. Yes. So she was on that determination, that goal, not only accomplishing something special for herself, but it's actually for the family, like you say, because we're in this together. And the process that she went through, ironically, is a sense of, are you aware where you're at right now? Yep. Rather than just floating out there. (laughs) Yeah, rather than just mindlessly doing. Yeah. Right, right, right. So that's a big difference. How do you define happiness? (laughs) Never ask a lawyer to define something, Johnny. <laughs> I'm just teasing. 
So actually using the word happiness is one of the blurriest, non-lawyeriest mm-hmm. things that I do because it has a couple different uh, mm-hmm. meanings, right? Mm-hmm. The first yeah. meaning is the momentary experience of a happy emotion like happiness or joy or even right. contentment or or um, interest or engagement. Like all of those to me are part of those the happy emotions. Right. Then there is what I call living happy or living happier which is trying to increase your positive emotional affect. So what does that mean? Trying to increase on balance the number of positive emotional experiences you have so that ideally, on average, they outweigh the negative ones. Mm -hmm. And that is like, for me, at the heart of the work that I do. And I want to be really careful when I talk about that because when I say increase your positive emotional experiences – One way you could do that would be to ignore your negative emotions or your like below neutral emotions. I don't want you to do that, right? We we all know that's Mm -hmm. not a recipe for long-term happy living. But it is about equipping yourself with as many positive emotional experiences where you can intentionally prioritize happiness or or happy emotions so that you have the resilience to weather the storms of life when they come. So true. Well, there's one thing about looking through the lens of happiness versus mm-hmm. looking through the lens of denial. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Well put, yeah. So that's a big difference. And I, and I think, look, like not all of us are taught to engage with mm-hmm. with our feelings, with our emotions, whether they be right. negative or positive. And there's a lot we can do when we learn to sit with whatever's coming up, right? When we mm-hmm. have the tools to navigate the tough emotions, and when we can take the positive emotional experiences and really like expand them by savoring them. And we're just not like, at least I didn't learn those right. tools growing up or in school. So true. Why were you unhappy at one point in your life? I know you realized like, wait a minute now, there's something wrong with this equation. And then when you sort of came to terms with it, right, because of the sense of awareness that all of a sudden you have this laundry list of like, Oh my God. <laughs> I'm happy with I a wish. Bunch of <laughs> I wish it was that clear that fast. No, the reality <laughs> is what I realized I was unhappy and I did what a lot mm-hmm. of us do, which is I looked straight to my circumstances, right? And for yeah. me that was job and schedule. Right. And I thought, okay, how can I fix this one variable in the equation? Mm-hmm. What I have since learned is that the more lasting approach to pursuing happiness or or prioritizing happiness requires Mm -hmm. actually a little bit of a slowdown to speed up, right? And it goes beyond just looking at your circumstances, beyond just Mm -hmm. looking at your your relationships, your job, your finances, your health, you know, your house. Mm -hmm. It requires actually spending a little time getting to know kind of where you are, what's working, what's not, and what it is that you're craving, like what it is that your soul is asking for, so that you can solve more of the variables in the equation. So in other words, let me put it in a shorter, in a shorter statement. Mm-hmm. I did what I needed to do to sort of solve some piece of the equation and escape my unhappiness. And it worked mm-hmm. for me. Um, but far powerful is taking the time to architect your happiness, to really build mm-hmm. the next step, the next season that's going to feed your happiness. Very, very interesting. So as you thought of, the word declutter, in a way, like to say, on one sheet that I'm happy with this, and then on the other sheet, uh, it's not so happy. 
<laughs> yeah. It's sucking right. my energy away. So when you look at that, yeah. how did you make that shift to realign your living choices? Yeah. Well, and I think you hit, you just said something really important and it might be subtle. And so I want to highlight mm-hmm. it. When yeah. you have kind of, when you, t- when you take that inventory of where you are today, right? Mm-hmm. There are the things that are taking your time. There are the things that are taking your resources. And there are the things that are taking your energy. Mm-hmm. And that last piece is really powerful. Understanding your energy equation, if you will, where, mm-hmm. what in your life is, is, filling your tank, your energy tank, if you will, and what is depleting it, right? And Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily, like, I think if you stopped, you know, 10 people on the street and asked that question, I don't think they'd have, or that that very many of them, maybe two out of 10, would have that answer on the tip of their tongue. Because it takes Mm -hmm. some thought. It's not something we think about naturally. But I find that um, shifting the energy sucks and having more of the energy nourishing things alone, like as a first step, can really create the foundation to do the next step, which is what do I really like from an action perspective? What do I need to do? What do I need to subtract? Mm-hmm. What am I seeking and what am I building, right? That's true. Very, very true. What was the most challenging aspects of that shift? Well, I mean, I've uh, I've made several shifts, and and mm-hmm. I think – the most challenging aspect is one for me, at least earlier in my life, especially like when I first started down this path um, is one I've already referenced, which is getting comfortable with what other people might think about the changes I'm making. Yeah. Yeah. Learning how to quiet that voice in my head that says you need to care a lot about what other people think. You need to care a lot Mm -hmm. about what the world tells you you should do. Success is measured like this. What are you doing, right? Um, So overcoming that noise, that judgmental voice in my head was a big big step for me. I'm so glad you mentioned that because in essence, success is in the eye of the beholder or say leadership and whatnot and so forth within oneself. But in all actuality, we all have our own insecurities. We want to be validated for quote-unquote this is the norm <laughs> or whatever yeah. perceived norm that is. So it's the process of going inward and reshuffling the cuts within you, so to speak. That's exactly right. And it's figuring out how you're going to, how you're going to validate yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, external validation has meaning. And I like to hear, you know, when I, when I work yeah. with clients and coach them, I like to hear about their successes and progress. That is right. extraordinarily fun for me to hear. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. even without that feedback, I know that what I am doing is important and I know that it matters. And I know that from the inside out first, you know, mm-hmm. the key is really figuring out like, how do you, how do you turn up the volume on your voice, on your definition of success? and turn down the volume on everybody else. Right, right. The next step on that also is important that this is not being conceited, not being arrogant. No, you're taking care no, of yourself. No. It's self-nurturing, yes. basically. Yes. Yes. And it's, I mean, look, it is not without, like, recognition that sometimes I am out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I am off the path. Sometimes I, may, I try something and it doesn't work. Sometimes I make right. a mistake. So right. it is like, 
self I forgot what word you just used, but it's self-awareness and it is mm-hmm. also self-compassion, right? It is yeah. being able mm-hmm. to be gentle with yourself as you experiment with this thing we call the human experience. Right, right. As you nurture yourself, then that reverberating energy will flow through your family, your neighborhood, mm-hmm. your community, and so forth. So you are the battery, basically. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and for those of you out there, and I'm sure this is, this is, you know, yeah. this is your audience, right? But for those of you who are out there who are raising children, I want mm-hmm. you to stop and think for a minute about that reverberation. It's mm-hmm. super important. Because when your kids see you validating yourself, you are modeling to them how they can do that in the future. Right, right. And that's a huge gift. It is. And it's very subtle. You don't Mm -hmm. have to pull out a flow chart or a PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) (laughs) It's in your actions, your mannerisms, your demeanor. And respectfully, there's a big difference between being arrogant, considered, kind of thing, bossy versus just being confident. Yes. And secure. Huge difference. And I'm look, mm-hmm. I'm that kid who got who got that feedback on her report card. Like Becky talks too much. Becky is bossy. Right. I got that feedback. So there is absolutely a difference between self possession, right. self confidence and arrogance. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. So true. Why did you choose the monarch butterfly as the image for the cover of your wonderfully written book? the happiness recipe. So I tell this story in the book, but as I was embarking on the journey to become a coach and sort of beginning to think about the concepts in the book, a very dear friend of mine um, sent her first child to college. And it was hard for her, as it is for many of us, to want to, for, you know, to like adapt to the mm-hmm. change of the child not being a child anymore and the child being independent. And I texted her and said, hey, but, like, the exciting thing is this is her butterfly season. Like, you get to see everything she learned in the cocoon, and you get to watch her spread her wings and see the beautiful colors she's going to put into the world, right? And I Mm -hmm. really loved that image. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I also, in that moment, (laughs) was a little sad because I thought, well, (laughs) if your butterfly season is when you're 18, like, what's the rest of your life? Yeah. And I realized that, that life actually is a series of seasons. And in some, we are in the cocoon. And in some, we are the caterpillar moving, but moving mm-hmm. slowly. And in some, we are the bright, bold, beautiful butterfly. And that it's okay mm-hmm. for there to be that difference in seasons. Um, and that we should sort of celebrate the gifts that come with each of those phases in our life. Right, right. Beautifully put. I love it because that's what it's all about. It's like a series of books rather than just one volume. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and that's and the beauty keep, about you, life. Yes. Mm-hmm. As long as you're alive, you get to keep writing and, and changing and adapting mm-hmm. and starting new chapters and maybe even starting, like you said, new volumes. And that is a pretty exciting concept. Yes. Yeah, each one is a layup for the next one. If you look at it that yeah. way, that in essence is part of that fuel that you were talking about, like uh, positive thinking and the happiness approach to living, because what's up next? <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. The science tells us, too, that, you know, back to the, you asked the question of how I define happiness, and I talked yeah. about, you know, um, happy, like the, the happiness, af- or what am I trying mm-hmm. to say, affect balance. That's the word I'm right. trying to say. 
you know, when we experience positive emotions, the science tells us that we are literally putting deposits in our resilience piggy bank. Like it's like mm-hmm. going to the ATM and putting money in the bank. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, part of the process and a non-negligible, like significant part of the process is how do we enhance our daily experience so that we put more deposits in our bank? Because right. life is hard. Life brings us difficult things. I don't think anyone is immune or exempt from that. Right. And right. so I just, you know, I think about it as like, I don't want to miss the opportunity, sort of like I don't want to miss the opportunity to save for retirement. I don't want to miss the opportunity to build up my stores of resilience. Right. Right. So true. Well, please give us a synopsis of the happiness recipe, a powerful guide to living what matters. Okay, here's the one sentence synopsis. The recipe for maximum not and I'll go and then I'll go deeper. But the rest here's yeah. what I figured out. The recipe for maximum happiness is do more of what matters to you and less of the rest in every season of your life. Now, simple, simple concept, not necessarily simple execution. Not mm-hmm. simple execution because there are a number of um what I call gaps that get in our mm-hmm. way. The first gap mm-hmm. I call um, the what do I call it? The authenticity gap, which is really the knowing gap. Like, do you mm-hmm. have a sense of what is most important to you in this season of your life? What's draining your energy? What's giving you energy? What you want to subtract? What you want to add in? Mm-hmm. The second is the emotional energy gap, and I'm going to come back to that in a second. And the reason I'm going to yeah. do it in this order is because we we often skip that gap. We go yeah. right because we are an action-driven world. We go right from knowing what we want to doing it. So the third gap is what I call the physical energy gap. It's the doing gap. Like, how do you actually execute on what it is that you want? How do you say no? How do you prime your nervous system for progress? How do you create new habits? How do you make a to-do list and actually get things done on it? Um, Now, often what happens is we jump from action, I mean, from knowledge to action, and then our old beliefs and feelings draw us back right to where we started, right? Like we mm-hmm. do a little bit and then we're back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's caused by the emotional energy gap, which is do you have the supportive beliefs and feelings to actually make change and make lasting change? So it's where the mindset work lives. It's where the emotional work lives. And it's where understanding your nervous system and how to work with it lives. Mm-hmm. So that is the synopsis of the book. It walks through mm-hmm in a very practical, tactical, approachable way, how to close each of those gaps. Very, very interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. How do the various seasons of our life correlate to the creating and defining our dreams? So the reason that I think seasons is an important concept Mm -hmm. is that I think it's really important to know in each moment the playing field on which you're playing. And that's what Mm -hmm. the season is, right? Mm -hmm. And I give a couple examples in my book, but I told you about one earlier. I realized after that bathtub moment, that bathroom floor moment, (laughs) that I needed to make a change. It took a few other nudges to get me there, but ultimately I decided to make a change in career to enter into what I call a family first season. Now, Mm -hmm. to be super clear for me, that still meant having a career outside the home, but it meant having a career where I truly could, when family needed me, put family before my job. Mm-hmm. And I was really clear with the people that hired me into that job that that was what I was going to do, and I had the flexibility to do it. So, um, you know, now my children are a little older. I have a 
19-year-old and a 15-year-old, and their needs are different. And Mm -hmm. my needs are different. And I'm running a business. And actually, I think if I were to describe the current season that I'm in, I would call it a business first season. But you can imagine how if I was trying if I was trying to live the same in both right. seasons, right off the bat, that's a recipe for unhappiness, right? Mm-hmm. If I was prioritizing my work in a family first season, I wouldn't be satisfied or happy. If I was right. prioritizing, you know, like just being universally present for my family and not myself in this business building season, that's really what I would call it, business building, not business first, but business building, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be satisfied or happy. And so knowing your season really sets the like guideposts, the boundaries for what's possible and what's most important right now. And we also have seasons that sneak up on us. And I'll give you mm-hmm. another example there. We all remember what happened in March 2020, right? Mm-hmm. That was a new season for all of us. And I saw people struggling because they tried to keep the same goals, the same priorities, and the same action plan, even though the entire rules had changed, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. I don't care that we're not playing basketball anymore. I'm still going to play basketball, right? Even though I'm Mm -hmm. on a soccer field. Well, how well is that going to work, right? I don't (laughs) know if you've ever tried to dribble a basketball on a soccer field, but it doesn't go real well. So there's a lot of discomfort that's created by not, not being aware of the playing field of the season. And so I think you asked, how does that correlate to our dreams? And I would just yeah. say that like dreams can evolve. And sometimes we have to recognize that the dream, like the, the big dream, the big, hairy, audacious goal that we have isn't going to happen in this short-term season, right? Like mm-hmm. if my big, hairy, audacious goal was to travel the world, that was not happening in April 2020 for most of us just not an option. And so learning to match or or sort of plan our dreams around what's possible realistically for us in the given season, and then like be ready for the season that's coming where the world travel can happen. And in the current season, try to figure out what it is. So maybe world travel is not possible, but what is it about world travel that you love and how do you inject more of that into your current season? Is it like, seeing, you know, different parts of the world? Is it learning about cultures? Is it connecting with people? Well, there are ways to do all of that without getting on an airplane, right? So right, thinking right. about how to play right. with your dreams when you can't get there right now. Right. What's interesting about it is that we all go through seasons. We just are not aware yeah. of it or, let's say, come to terms of it. When you look at our age, growing up to 12 and then 12 to 20 and 20 to 30, yep. Yeah, we're going through the process yep. anyway, but yeah. we're not we realizing that some, yeah. the season. Yeah, you got it. And we've got some seasons that are like that, right? That are just life mm-hmm. life stage seasons, and then some seasons, yeah. like I said, that sneak up on us. Like when I was a mm-hmm. litigator, and we would go to trial. Trial was its own season. It looked very different than the rest of life. You know, That's correct. and same yeah. thing. Like same thing if you're managing the care of a family member or you're managing a child's illness. That is a season. That is a moment where things need to shift, and it's okay. And I think it's the recognition and the permission that's really big for people. Right, right. So true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Our podcasts are available 
on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. April's theme is Spring Magic, Nourishing Our Hearts, Minds, Body, and Spirit. My guest for today is Rebecca Morrison. Rebecca is a mom, wife, and lawyer turned happiness coach. As a high achiever, a Wesley College and Georgetown Law graduate, she worked for two decades as a litigator at a big law firm. Rebecca was securely on the track to partnership and had a beautiful baby daughter in a happy marriage. But something was missing. She wasn't that happy and wondered if it is possible to have both success and happiness. Rebecca spent the next several decades untangling and uncovering what would make her happy. She concluded that we are born to be happy. Somewhere along the way, our lives got cluttered. To find our recipe for happiness, we need to know what matters most to us. We need strong beliefs to support taking the necessary steps to do what we want while letting go of the rest. Rebecca believes everyone can live happier, easier lives by reacquainting with the authentic self. Rebecca is now a UC Berkeley Executive Coaching Institute Certified Executive Coach and the author of The Happiness Recipe, A Powerful Guide to Living What Matters. The book offers a grounded, approachable, and technical guide to finding joy by sharing the tools necessary to understand what matters most to our happiness. Rebecca gives us the key to believing in and achieving the kind of happiness possible for everyone. Rebecca is also one of the featured expert contributors to our April Inspirations for Better Living magazine. Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her inspiring and empowering story, My Path from Lawyer to Happiness Coach, in our Bubble of Quiet Confidence section. Our kitchen table conversation this morning is about Rebecca's remarkable life's journey and how we can declutter our life and refine our energy to live happier, lead happier, and build happy businesses using the principles of priority and line living from her best-selling book, The Happiness Recipe. Becky, you talk about emotional gap. Why is understanding yeah. our emotional gap essential in bridging our ideas to action? Yeah, I mean, so we talked a little bit about this, but Mm -hmm. if we don't have the tools to work with our emotions, right, and, Mm -hmm. and, and by that I mean, you know, we talked earlier about really being able to be with them, to cope with challenging emotions when they arise, and to take our positive emotions and expand on them, you know, sort of like supercharge them by savoring them. If we don't have those tools, and we don't have the tools to work with our nervous system, which I'll say more about in a minute, and we don't have sort of the mindset, and I talked about this, I mean, I think we already talked about this a little bit too, like this <laughs> idea of like being able, being able to let go of the outside chatter, we're going to, it's like we're going to run into that wall when we try to take action that pulls us right back to our starting place. And mm-hmm. let's talk about the nervous system because I think at the most basic, that is a big part of it. And I'll explain what I mean. I think we all are aware that we have a nervous system and that part of our nervous system's job is to keep us safe by activating our fight, flight, 
freeze or fawn response, right? We used to call it fight mm-hmm. or flight. Now it has some more, some more descriptors. <laughs> but the whole idea is this. When our nervous system senses danger, it tells us do not do that. And, and do not do that either by running away, by freezing, or by taking some, you know, other action. Right. And, um, or by fighting. Um, and our nervous system doesn't distinguish between, like, do this scary thing or new thing because it might have a good outcome, it is not a like if then thinking machine. It is a very like, you're safe here. I don't know if you will be safe there. So do not go over there. So in other words, our nervous system is wired to resist change, literally wired. It's wired to tell us change is unsafe. Um, And so it is important that we have an awareness of that. The next layer that comes into play with our nervous system is a little more nuanced. It has to do with sort of the programming and patterning that we pick up through our life around what kinds of actions are safe and unsafe. And so I'll give you an example from my own life. Somewhere Mm -hmm. along the line, as a kid, I got the idea that being too loud or too visible wasn't a good idea, right? And it probably Mm -hmm. means that somewhere along the line when I was younger, I got picked on for, for mm-hmm. being too, too visible, too, too big, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when it came time to write a book, what do you think my nervous system told me? Please don't do that. Being too loud or too visible isn't safe, right? Right. And so in order to take the steps of actually writing a book, publishing it, and putting it out into the world, I had to learn or know how to work with that voice inside of me that was saying, not bad idea, don't do it. So that's just mm-hmm. one example of what, of how our own internal wiring is not set up for growth and progress. And we need to have an awareness of that so that we can work with it. And you might hear that and think I'm, I'm being mean. I was going to use the <laughs> word, but like, you know, that I'm down on that. No, yeah, it, yeah. it's very important. It has kept us safe in the past. But right. that does not mean that it is serving us for where we want to go. And so we as adults, get to work with that nervous system and say, thank you. Thank you for raising the red flag because I know that that pattern developed because it kept me safe at one point in my life. And I genuinely appreciate that you have a sincere desire to keep me safe, but I've got this. I can figure this out and I can keep me safe even in Mm -hmm. this place we've never been before. Right. That's true. Well, it's natural that that instinct is actually like you had mentioned it's good because it saves us from things, right? But what's interesting is what you just mentioned, that emotional energy gap when you have a vision, and that comes back to tie into that thing we talk about, dreams. That yeah. dream became the pulley that secures you, the focal point to move you forward. Yes, you're not there yet, but you can see the vision. And that vision right. is intention, is expansion. It's not, got nothing to do with just I'm stepping over the cliff here. Oh, am I messing with someone else's space? I'm not. This is my space. And this is yes. what I want to do for myself. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. How do we build an effective bridge then? So that is a little, that answer is a little more complicated. (laughs) And here's why. I actually think this is the one part of the process. I mean, all Mm -hmm. in all parts of the process, in all of the gaps that we've talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, the um, authenticity gap, which is the knowing gap and the physical energy Mm -hmm. gap, which is the action gap. 
and, and now the emotional energy gap, you can benefit from outside support. But yeah. most specifically with this emotional energy gap, this knowing, believing, I mean, the, sorry, the believing and feeling gap mm-hmm. is where outside support is critically important. And here, I'm going to tell you why in one sentence, and then I'll explain. Mm-hmm. Why I think it's important is because it is very, very difficult for us to read the bottle of the label from the inside. In other right. words, it is very, very difficult for us to see the places where our mindset might be tripping us up, where our nervous system patterning might be tripping us up from inside of the experience. We often need somebody outside of us to reflect that back to us so that we can develop the awareness needed to make the actual shift. And often awareness is like 80% of the, of the puzzle, right? Once you're aware Oh, I'm feeling scared about this. It's just a normal nervous system response. Like that takes a lot of the fear away right off the bat, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where a coach, a therapist, a clergy member, a a friend or family member who you really feel can be that reflector for you um, is critically important to get that support. And it may also come in the form of things like this, this, podcast, right? This show, Mm -hmm. things that you can listen to, things that you can read that can give you the tools to make that shift. But trying to make that shift on your own without some support in exposing where your gap actually lives is very, very challenging. So that is maybe a non-answer answer a little bit, but I think the reality is that this gap is the murkiest. And obviously, I think all of the gaps, but this one in particular, are unique to you right? It's mm-hmm. based on the patterning and experiences that you come into this with, the fears and past challenges you've faced, your particular dream and what might need to happen to get you there. So, yeah. Right, right. Well, the most important thing also you mentioned, which is interesting, like say, once you have that dream, that vision, then you know on the sideline as you're running that race, basically, right? <laughs> then you'll know yeah. the noises that you're hearing on the sideline is it to cheer you on or is it detractors? Yes. That's the first step, I think. And your book speaks yes. very well of it. Your book offers action steps and everything else. And so I love that about the various chapters that you have. And then, like you mentioned again, it's depending on the degree of comfort that you have. You can engage someone like you as a coach or just within the family unit. If you are in the family unit, like what your mom did, hey, you guys. <laughs> This is what's Guess happening. What? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is where I'm at. So you, 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 this is what I need from y'all to help me, please. And then we together yeah. <laughs> will make everything happen. So I think that's the beauty of it. I think it's there. You also talk about in your book, the eight break to behaviors, because I honestly believe in does our behavior match our goals? And this is yes. very, very interesting. So please talk about the eight breakthrough behaviors to bring more happiness into our lives. Yeah. I mean, and so what I did in that section, I, I talked about the nervous system that we've already talked about. And then mm-hmm. I tried to identify the things that I see most often that get in people's way from a mindset or belief perspective. And that's where the eight breakthrough behaviors come through. And I'll, I'll mm-hmm. try to make it really deep and brief as I run through these. <laughs> The first is borrowing joy, and the notion there is really, are you, are, we have a, a natural inclination in our brain to, we have what's called a negativity bias, to look for the risk, to look for the downside. 
Can mm-hmm. we also bring the upside into the discussion? Can we also envision what it would look like if it went really well? Um, the second is sourcing joy. And this goes a little bit to that affect balance that we're talking about, but it's do mm-hmm. you know what sources of happiness or positive emotion you can access at a moment's notice? Like if I told mm-hmm. you right now, you, Johnny, you listener, I want you right now to do something that will bring a positive emotion into your life. Would you know what to do? And if not, then let's build a menu. Um, the third is claiming control. And this is a big one. It's like taking the time to recognize what it is that you can control in any given situation and what is outside your control and then releasing that which you cannot control. And um, spoiler alert, in most every situation, the only thing we can control is how we show up, our thoughts and our actions. That's it. And so really dialing back into that. Mm-hmm. The second, we've already talked about this, is how do you engage with your emotions, with your feelings? Um, that's not the second, that's the fourth. <laughs> the fifth <laughs> is um, dealing with guilt, right? Guilt comes right. up a lot, especially for moms, um, but for everyone, really, I run into it. Yeah. The yeah. sixth is how do we say no? What's, what's the actual process of saying no? Because we struggle with that. We struggle with it sometimes because of guilt, but we struggle with it for other reasons too. I'm going to jump ahead. The eighth we've already yeah. talked about is where can, you get, where can you get support on this process? And then the seventh is sort of a tool I have in my pocket for when we're not sure what else to do. One of the things we can do to reprogram our nervous system is to engage with a mantra. And by mantra, I simply mean something we can tell ourselves to make our, our, to help our nervous system settle down. And I have a, mm-hmm. a, an example in there of my own life where I was struggling with um, physical fitness. And when I would want to quit, when I would want to quit doing the hard thing, I would say to myself, I'm safe, I am strong, I can do this. And sometimes I would say to that to myself every <laughs> breath to get right. through the hard point. Because what I realized is that I wasn't quitting because I wasn't able, I was quitting because it didn't feel safe in my nervous system. And so just feeding that back into my nervous system was able to help me keep going forward. And there's a couple other examples in there, but that's a tool you can kind of use in any situation when you're feeling a little bit stuck. So true. Your book is very well written as far as giving all the things that people need to walk them through regardless of where they are in their lives. I think that's the most important thing because depending on the degree of confidence, for lack of a better term, right, the assurances, the book allows us to tap in at any part in that journey because if you need that mantra to help you, and that's very, very important because you are your best cheerleader. Yeah. And then you have situations where you have a close friend or family members and so forth that's saying, hey, wait a minute, I thought you said you're going to do this, but somehow you're doing this. (laughs) Yeah. A quick reminder, so to speak. So that's the beauty of it. But at all times, you are in charge because you are the architect of your journey from this perspective, so to speak. Absolutely. And look, at the end of the day, do you know whose voice typically you trust the most? Your own. (laughs) The more you can use your own voice to be your own cheerleader, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. That's correct. That's correct. How does the physical energy gap contribute to an action plan and help us build successful habit. I know in the way, like you say, the mantras and so forth, but are there some other things that we can do as well? Yeah. So a big one for me when it comes to the, the taking action, mm-hmm. the first thing, and, one, and a thing that I struggled with, is identifying the difference between a goal 
and a habit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think here's why it matters, or it mattered to me anyway, <laughs> um, is habits are never, ever, ever done, right? Unless right. you just decide that you don't want to do the thing anymore. So if yeah. if my habit is I am a physically active person, like, I don't, I can't ever finish that. And for a long time, I took a to-do list approach to everything, including habits, right? And what that Mm -hmm. practically speaking meant is I would like bite off more than I could chew with, say, getting in shape, then I would find myself having overdone it. And that's true, Mm -hmm. not just, I mean, I use getting in shape as an example, but I can think of plenty of other things like that where I was like in a rush to finish it. But the reality is there was no finishing it. It's a habit. And so right. that shift is really, really important, um, and identifying the difference is really important because the tools that you use to achieve a goal are very different than the tools that you use to create a habit. And so it's important to know which one we're trying to do. So um, true. Once we know which one we're trying to do, then I think we go and get the resources for that thing. And I am by mm-hmm. no means a habit expert, but I will recommend there's a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, which is a phenomenal guidebook to habit creation. It's very digestible, very consumable. I talk about some of the basics in my book, um, but if habits are a challenge for you, I'd encourage you to look at the tools. They, well, you can mm-hmm. start with the tools in my book, and then if you need to go deeper, look at the tools um, there. You know, there's some, right. some really simple steps you can take in, in habit creation that will set you up for success. When it comes to action plan and goal setting, for me, the biggest thing is knowing what direction you want to go, having a general idea of like where you're headed, and then really just taking steps. Because the reality is if you took steps towards your goal every single day, you you would get there. It will happen. It may not happen in the time frame that you want, and so there is a conversation to be had about, like, how quickly do you want to get there, how big the steps need to be. But I think the first thing is actually just, starting to move um, because progress builds momentum and momentum builds results. Right, right. So true. Why do we need to build a celebration menu? <laughs> so this goes back to our old, <laughs> our old friend, the nervous system, right? Mm-hmm. So when we are taking, and I love, I love, how do you say it, Johnny? You say um, bubble of comfort. Is that it? Bubble of quiet confidence. Is that bubble of quiet confidence. So this idea that we don't like take a step outside of our comfort zone, but that we actually expand the edges of our comfort That's zone. That's correct. Yes. As we're expanding the edges of our comfort zone, we are asking our nervous system to take a risk with us to be a reward for that risk. Part of the mm-hmm. reward for that risk can be a celebration of the fact that we've expanded the edge. And so mm-hmm. for me, like I want my nervous system, like they're holding my hand with me on the path of progress. And for that reason, and also because celebration feels awesome, when I take steps in the direction of what I want, and that could be in terms of habit building or in terms of goal achieving, I want to celebrate those steps. And I'm not talking about going out to a fancy dinner every time you do something, but I am right. talking about thinking about ways to reward your body and your brain with a little bit of celebration. And I deliberately say body and brain because we've got these awesome chemicals that our brain releases and we can mm-hmm. play with ways to cause those chemicals to be released, right? So mm-hmm. if I do something that I'm really proud of and I go downstairs and I ask my husband for a hug, guess what? When I get that hug, there's a positive brain chemical that's going to be released. Right. That's right. a celebration. So I don't, right. you don't need to overcomplicate celebrating, but I think it is critically important to stop and notice. And the other reason it's critically important to stop and notice is because, like I said, celebration is fun. It creates a positive emotional experience and puts deposits 
in that resilience piggy bank for you. Right. And ultimately, we all need that at a boy, at a girl. <laughs> yes. Yes. And there's nothing, there is nothing wrong with that. And look, mm-hmm. I mean, I came up in the law firm world, which is a world where no news is good news. Like the only mm-hmm. feedback that you, that you, we got was when something was wrong. Right. Right. But I think, I think that's a mistake, right? I think not mm-hmm. getting that like, Hey, way to get that done, way to hit that deadline, way to show up for that client is, is, I think we're missing, it's a missed opportunity, right, to make the whole process of life more enjoyable. Right. So true. Very true. What is the best way to measure success? (laughs) I was going to give you a really really (laughs) silly answer, but (laughs) but it's true. Um, Your way. And by that Mm -hmm. I mean it is critically important, actually, as part of this process, that you figure out what success means to you and how you're going to measure it. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage you to think past measures like I'm going to have done my best. How will you know if it's your best? How will you know when you're a good, that you're a good mom? How will you know that you're a good spouse? How will you know that you're a good insert job title here? How will you know? How will you know that you're a good friend? Um, really come up with the ways that you can that you can measure it, so that when you do those things, you have a basis to celebrate. If you live in a do your best world, and I don't want to discourage you from like putting in maximum effort, but if that is the only right. measurement, it's very easy to never feel satisfied, to never feel sure that it is our quote unquote best, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to take the time and say. What does success in whatever area of my life or in my life broadly in this season look like? How will I know when I've arrived? Mm-hmm. So true. Very true. In your years of working with clients, what is the biggest challenge or stumbling block in their pursuit of living happier? Getting started, truly. Um, what's been really fun about the work that I do with clients is seeing the amount of transformation that happens super quickly. It's seeing people change the way they're showing up in their lives in a matter of weeks in a way that it meaningfully improves their performance on the job, their connections with the people who matter to them, and their satisfaction with themselves. Like, that's phenomenal. It's actually taking the step to make the investment in yourself of time and energy and resources to do the work. Interesting. Very interesting. Where can someone go to buy your book, get more information about your services, and keep up with your latest happenings? So I'm going to give you one-stop shopping. (laughs) You can head over to my website. It is untangle, no D, untanglehappiness.com. And there's a link to buy the book on Amazon there. It is also available most places that online books are sold. And you can sign up for my mailing list to keep on top of what's going on, and you can find ways, other ways to connect with me in the um, electronic world. Wonderful. Do you have a recommendation on the best way to digest and implement the happiness recipe? So it's interesting. I have had readers tell me, and, and I, I've actually experienced this myself, so I've, I've done the book start to finish myself multiple mm-hmm. times. Um, I've had readers tell me that they've done the book start to finish. And then I've also had readers tell me that they have picked up the book and just opened to a chapter and done that work. Like whatever kind of Mm -hmm. shows up for them that day, 
when they open to the chapter, they'll, they'll engage with it. So I don't know that there's a right way. I mean, certainly if you are feeling like you want to take a close, close look at your life today and try to architect a, a slightly happier, you know, and really get clear on your happiness recipe, I think doing the book start to finish is a great way. And I would say don't rush, right? Take it mm-hmm. a chapter a day or a chapter a week. Uh, really engage with the exercises. Um, but if you're just sort of want to dabble, it's okay. Like <laughs> the beauty <laughs> of the way that this book, that I wrote this book and I enjoy it is that you really can pick up any one of these sort of concepts and exercises and play with them a little bit uh, on their own. Right. I like that. That's true because it will take root and automatically yes. pushes you down the lane, so to speak. Yes. You're going to get progress. I mean, I think there might be, as I'm thinking about it now, I think there might be a couple of chapters in the authenticity gap section that build on each other, but it's pretty obvious how they do. So you, you might need to do, you know, one or two together, mm-hmm. but, um, but more or less it's, it's standalone. And especially in the emotional energy gap space, you know, we talked about those breakthrough behaviors and you mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, it's like you've got a, a, a saying no moment coming up or guilt is coming up for you. Start there. Mm-hmm. Like right. there's no, you know, it doesn't have to be linear. Yeah. Very true. What is next for you? What is next for me? That's a wonderful question. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, my focus right now is working with people one-on-one to really sort of move them from overwhelmed to thriving. And then I'm also getting more and more engaged in working with organizations to help them use some of these concepts, like the concepts in the happiness recipe, but also positive psychology concepts more broadly to engage mm-hmm. their employees in sort of a culture of well-being and happiness because there's some real benefits to the organization when you've got a happy team. So true. Very, very true. As we're coming close to the end of the hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? So this goes a little bit beyond the happiness recipe, um, but one of the things that is that has recently become clear to me is, you know, when you pick up the happiness recipe and you sit down to do some heavy lifting work, it is always easier to do if you have nourished yourself first. And I don't mm-hmm. necessarily mean by that sit down and have a great meal, although that could be one, one thing that you do, <laughs> but, but really like asking yourself the question of what do I need to feel nourished? Do I need more connection? Do I need um, more space? Do I need better food in my body? What is it that would nourish me and give me the energy, the, you know, like the resources to do this hard work. And so spending a little bit of time thinking about nourishing ourselves before we engage in change. And again, I use that word very broadly is Mm -hmm. a concept that I've been playing with. And I would offer as a response to that question, um, like, don't neglect that piece, right? Don't mm-hmm. jump into change when you're burnt out. Let's, let's nourish our, ourselves out of burnout before we try to fix everything. Right. So true. Well, Becky, thank you for the excellent recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next week, Wednesday morning, May 3rd at 10 a.m. Central Time U.S. My guest will be Kristen Ragusin. Kristen is a professional wealth management consultant with over 30 years of experience in the fluency of the monetary system and finances. With an investment portfolio of over $150 million in clients' assets at Merrill Lynch and Raymond James, 
She helped her clients navigate markets and achieve financial goals. Kristen is also a certified digital currency professional. Kristen and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her number one Amazon best-selling book, The End of Scarcity, The Dawn of the New Abundant World. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Becky, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very delightful and blessed week. Thank you, Johnny. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.